The Baltimore Ravens look to extend their preseason winning streak to 24 games tomorrow as they take on the Philadelphia Eagles. We talk about which players to watch throughout the entirety of the preseason for the Ravens here coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked on Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. And I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here as always on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, as always, for being here, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. Plus, LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back at its Purple Friday, one day away from the Ravens getting on that field. It was only preseason football, but hey, it's, it's better than nothing. I know we're excited for the Ravens to get out there and here to talk about that and so much more with me today. It's more Baltimore Ravens wide receiver and, of course, the Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismail and Q. We made it. Essentially, we, we went through the entire Lamar saga up until April. We've been waiting and waiting, and I know the starters aren't necessarily going to play, or at least not all of them. But it, it feels nice to have Ravens football on the horizon here. It does. I think there's so much excitement when it comes to this team, this year, the way in which the offseason went, and it was a soap opera. The the back and forth of management versus player. And now you see some of the free agents that have been signed and some of the big names. We've seen a glimpse of what they can do big time throughout training camp. Been here uh, or been there out to the castle and have seen them practice so many times. Uh, but now you get a chance to go up against another team, a pretty good team too, in the Philadelphia Eagles, clearly making it to the Super Bowl. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of high hopes defending their NFC East championship as well as their NFC champion as a representative of the Super Bowl. So I know that, uh, this kind of is that turning point. Tomorrow's going to be dress rehearsal, and then game on come Saturday evening. Sit back, buckle up, let's go. It's exciting, too, because I know there's there's the big storyline of Baltimore having the 23 straight preseason wins, and that game, it's the game against the Atlanta Falcons in 2015. 2015 was their last preseason loss, which is absolutely incredible. And I, it's not like they're – trotting out their starters every game queue and playing everybody for four quarters. They just have had depth and it's gone the way it has. But in terms of this preseason, I know there are a lot of players that people are excited to watch because there are a lot of players that Baltimore is going to have to rely on to take a jump. Young guys that are going to play much bigger roles this year. So who are some of the guys that you're kind of looking forward to? Cause I think for me, you kind of wonder how much is a guy like Adafi Owe going to play? How much is a guy like David Ajabo going to play? I'm super excited for the rookie class, but who are some guys you're looking forward to see? Well, I think the obvious starters, as John Harbaugh alluded to in his press conference the other day, that they're not going to play. But I think there's some other guys who are some young guys that need to play. David Ajabo needs to play. He hasn't had that much experience. He hasn't arrived yet. He hasn't made – 
what, six, seven, eight, 12 sacks in a, in a year. He hasn't done much. We've seen the promise. That's great, but he needs to play. When you look at Isaiah Likely, he doesn't need to play much, but he needs to play. My guy, Charlie Kohler, definitely needs to play an awful lot. Uh, when you look at the offensive line, of course, Ronnie Stanley, you know, Kevin Zeitler. I mean, goodness gracious, as much as Tyler Linderbaum is wet behind the ears, is as much as he has a ton of experience in game against some big time defensive tackles. I think we know what he can do. Don't play him either. So we're going to see a lot of different offensive line combinations that left guard spots uh, still unsettled. Let's see what John Simpson and company can do as far as holding down the offensive line. But I think the biggest spot and one that is almost, dare I say, Defonte Freeman-like is defensive back. There is a lot there, Kevin, when it comes to the different defensive backs. Watch them more than any other group this entire uh, training camp, the times that I've been out there and viewing. And right off the bat, the consistency of them flat out just simply catching the football in drills. It is something that I have not seen consistently from any other group that I've seen in quite some time. And I don't say that lightly because defensive backs can't catch. There's like one or two guys that are like, oh, yeah, he's he's a sure-handed guy, darn near can play both ways. But from a defensive back standpoint, like, this is going to be fun. I think, you know, there's been a lot of pundits that have been, you know, oh, who's out there? Oh, what free agent? Oh, what this? Oh, what that? But I think this group is hungry. I think this group is determined. I think that they want to show they belong in the NFL. Yeah, and I know with snaps available, multiple different positions, I think, and, and very valuable snaps, not just like a couple here and there, especially as you talked about at the corner position. I know we talked last week about it, Q, and you said that guys like Jalen Irma Davis and Pepe Williams, I know we'll talk about Pepe Williams in the final segment, but this is an opportunity because training camp is one thing, preseason is another, and obviously you keep going regular season, postseason, whatnot, but this is a time for you to go up if you're a guy competing for a roster spot or a guy competing for snaps, going out there and proving you can do it in live action, you know, full speed football against another team. And I think that's part of it too. I think the Ravens playing every, every team's players are just ready to go hit somebody else. They've been practicing against each other for the last couple of weeks here, but one player I'm really excited to watch here. I guess one position battle actually is quarterback, not Lamar. Obviously that's a given. He's going to be the starter, no doubt. But Tyler Huntley is somebody who I know we've speculated a lot on what his future could be in just where he fits in both short-term and long-term. Josh Johnson appears to have kind of taken the third spot from Anthony Brown too. So I think that's a battle to watch as well. What's kind of your take on the backup third, fourth string quarterback position right now for Baltimore? What you're looking for? I, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, T Martin being a quarterback coach, obviously him being a former quarterback played at a high level himself. The quarterbacks and, and you look at, you know, again, Tyler Huntley, I think the experience that he has as far as playing and, and, and winning games, obviously going back to the Bears game uh, a few years back when literally Lamar was like, I ain't playing. I don't feel good. 
something ain't right. And of course, it, it was coming out both ends and woo. But the way in which he performed, it took him a minute, but then he finally warmed up and he was able to make some plays. I think at the same time, the downside of it is we also saw the Cincinnati game where like all you had to do is just do your job and, you know, sneak the ball over the end zone and you ain't even worrying about being a backup. You're a hero for the rest of time. We're not even talking about uh, Josh Johnson. We're not even talking about Anthony Brown. Like you're the guy and and you're going to be the guy that beats the guy. So yeah, you got to prove yourself. I, I like him a lot. You know, we talked about Josh Johnson. The thing is, is he has so much experience. He's been in situations and uh, circumstances before. I think this preseason game, not to belittle it, but he, I think he's going to think it's a joke in that. Yeah, bro, I, I played games. I went against first-team guys. I've had teams game plan against me, and he's had success too. You know, I think ultimately we looking at Anthony Brown and, you know, his play and, and the way he felt like he was confident. It, it was Anthony Brown, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, who was played against Pittsburgh last year, correct? Like, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. oh, yeah, like – I understand he didn't have, you know, the fullness of the game plan because obviously just limited amount of reps and so forth. But he went in there. He played strong. Like, I don't see him flinching either. This is a good problem to have. Like, of all the problems to have, this is a good problem to have. Give me some guys that all feel good, all feel confident. I know we're not talking about, you know, the 23-game win streak as a thing. But we are talking about a 23-game win streak as a thing when it comes to backups. And when it also comes to guys who, from a depth aspect of things, and a and I care about how I look so I could possibly be on another team if I, I'm not on this team, I think it helps. I think it helps out big time if I'm a wide receiver. I got any of those quarterbacks. I know Lamar is going to be sitting on the sideline, but I got some guys that have had experience that I feel like I can go in a game and they're going to get me the ball if I'm open. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned some of those wideouts, I think, for guys like James Perchet, Tylen Wallace, Dante Demas, Laquan Treadwell, all guys who are kind of competing. Because I assume Baltimore is going to keep six wide receivers, Q. I think one through five is pretty short up. You, you can kind of assume the, the top five are safe. The sixth wide receiver, though, that's the guy, though. That's the guy that I'm really excited. So there are about four or five people competing for one spot there. You mentioned Isaiah Likely, Charlie, even Travis Vokalek. I think those three, though, I think Kohler and Likely are locks. There's no there's no way either of those guys get let go. But Vokalek is someone who has done a really good job, I think, in training camp so far. Offensive line, you mentioned the left guard position. But I also feel like, you know, the rookies, like where, where does Tavius Robinson factor in in the outside linebacker rotation? Caillou Kelly, how does he fit in with guys like Jalen Emmer Davis and Kevon Seymour? And where do they use Brandon Stevens? That's one area I'm really interested to see. So I'm going to be watching Brandon Stevens for sure as they kind of ramp up stuff. And then I'll kind of transition in the second segment with this cue. Patrick Ricard and Ben Mason. Those are two guys who we all know we all know Ricard is kind of working in a new role right now. Are they gonna play him a lot? Are they gonna play him at left guard? And then Ben Mason seems like a guy that they really like. So do they utilize him as an inline tight end? Do they use him as a fullback, maybe? So those are all players that I'm personally watching. But coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be talking about Q's latest training camp notes, what he's seen out there, and a lot more. So be sure to stay tuned, plenty to talk about on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stage wager for your small business. 
business. You want to be 100% certain. You have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And there have been so many people, myself included, that have used LinkedIn Jobs to find careers, find team members. There are plenty of positive experiences, and it's definitely helped me out a ton. And it's really easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. You just add the job and the hashtag purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use, like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you completely prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And sometimes the right team member can help you start off the year really strong. That's really important to start the year strong. Despite small businesses, right? Landing jobs, number one, delivering quality hires as leading competitors. Landing jobs is the final qualified candidates. You want to talk to you faster to close your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to push your job for free terms and conditions apply. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens here on this Purple Friday, the day before the Ravens take on the Philadelphia Eagles in the first game of the 2023 preseason. Kevin Oshaker still here with Kadri Ismail and Keo. I want to I wanted to segue right into what we talked about at the end of that first segment with Patrick Ricard. I know you've been out there, you've you've been watching and, and you've been listening to everything. Ricard's working with the offensive line now. It was kind of unexpected. Like I I kind of wondered what his role was going to be in the Todd Munkin offense. I didn't have him working with the offensive line on my bingo card. What have you kind of seen from Ricard so far as he's kind of working in that new role since coming off the PUP list? Can I just be humble and say very little because it's a hard position to transition to? Like he's doing a lot of watching and like, okay, all right, this is what I got to do. All right. He's, he's clearly intelligent going from defensive language to offensive language to tight end language. Now you're going to offensive line language. And for those who don't know, I mean, that's like listening to a New Yorker talk about Boston, then going out to Cali and then going down to Alabama. You're like, okay, all these dialects, what the hell are y'all saying? So that's what he's doing. And it's hard. And so I, I just haven't seen much. And, and that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I don't, I don't think he's going to. There are four million reasons why I think he has an uphill battle ahead of him. And there's going to be limited opportunity. Yeah, I just I don't know where he fits. Not to say he's not going to be with the team. I, I kind of talked about this throughout the week. But when he signed that extension with Baltimore Q, I think we all knew that that was a Greg Roman extension. You know, he, he worked in Greg Roman's offense. And I, I know we had talked about it and we had kind of said, well, if Greg Roman ends up leaving, whether it's this year, or next year, or whenever, and, yeah. they bring in, and they bring in a new guy, what's his role going to be if the offense starts to transition more to a pass-heavy offense or the personnel switches up? So I think there still can be a role for Patrick Ricard. I think everybody – Kind of knew that once Todd Monk could come in, Ricard's role would be greatly diminished. Now, the Ravens, if they release him, would save about $1.7 million on the cap this year. If they release him next year, I believe it would be four. So maybe you hold on to him this year, see what the role is, and get rid of him next year if it doesn't work out. Or maybe they just really want that flexibility because I do think they like Ben Mason a lot. And I think that Mason offers a more versatile pass-catching role than Patrick Ricard does. I think Ricard is the more versatile player overall and is a better blocker overall. So it's just a matter of maybe what skill set Todd Munkin wants. I don't necessarily see both being kept on the roster. That'd be crazy. And maybe we come back in a couple weeks and we're saying, remember when I said that wasn't going to happen? Look what happened. <laughs> and then they proved me all wrong. So I don't know. Well, the proven wrong is that, yeah, Ben Mason costs less than $4 million And Patrick Card cap hit $4 million. So you do the math. We're not talking that. 
Ben Mason is the level of Patrick Carr when Patrick Carr is a Pro Bowl guy. But he's a Pro Bowl guy, as you just perfectly said, in a different offense. So if it's a different offense, he's not the guy any longer. And so, therefore, it's going to put pressure on him to try to fill in and see if he can garner a role. Now, yeah, I don't really see them having a blocking tight end. Like, you know, now I have a blocking tight end. It, it's it's Patrick Ricard did so much, but the cap number, it, that's, just, that's just the name of the game. And for right now, you know, you're not going to see as much heavy personnel because you've brought in Odell, you've brought in Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, you still have Bateman and Duvernay, and obviously whoever that sixth guy is going to be. So, yeah, I would expect three tight ends to be on the roster, and that is Andrews, Likely, and Kohler. And then at the very most, one fullback type player, fullback slash tight end, I guess I would call it. Whether that is Ricard, whether that is Ben Mason, I think Todd Munk is going to have to make that decision based off what skill set he wants more than the other. I mean, Patrick Ricard is not a practice squad player, right? I'm not going to disrespect him like that. Ben Mason, maybe you could sneak him on the practice squad and then kind of have him as a call up on game day if you need. But they're going to have a big decision to make on Patrick Ricard. But another big thing that happened, Q, was Rashad Bateman coming back from the PUP list as well. I know people didn't really know when it was going to happen. Luckily, it did happen for Baltimore on Wednesday. I know there's definitely still going to be a ramp-up period. Don't expect to see him in the preseason whatsoever. But based off of what you've seen, how has he looked so far? And what's his process to kind of getting back on the field in week one as good as he can feel? So it's a ramp-up, and I think that's important to note. So it's not that he's going out there and – they're putting him in scrimmage situations. It was the full padded practice uh, earlier this week that I was at, as well as the the non padded practice. Um, but yeah, it just it just ramping them up, you know, just kind of getting them back in the flow and a groove, you know, not trying to I think stress that foot, see how he looks. The fact that he went through the padded practice, came back again with another practice. You know, that to me says an awful lot because it shows that, you know, yeah, my foot, it's not 100-100, but it certainly is a, a scenario where I can have multiple practices and I can function. I'm, I'm fine. Let's go. I think that's important. I think that's uh, what we're seeing. And he looks good. You know, Bateman's not um, looking sluggish at all. Like there's like a quickness you know, in his burst and in his movement. So, so be it. Let's go. Let's see it. And to me, I think that it's okay to have this be around. I mean, even Odell's ramping up at this point, you want to be cautious with your players, especially just coming back off the PUP list. And it kind of raises the question of whenever in the world, JK Dobbins comes back, what is his ramp up going to look like? Because we don't know where he is in the recovery and how he's feeling and how much of it's a hold in. So I know we, we've been talking about it, Q, is like, well, Dobbins will probably be more of the guy and Edwards will probably be more of the backup. But if Dobbins doesn't come back until a couple weeks before the season or a week before the season, I think that Edwards is going to have a pretty big load of that backfield early on until they can get Dobbins up to speed both physically and just, you know, getting them up to speed on the new offense. But Based off everything you've seen in training camp, I know there was a lot that was made about that Saturday practice key where they threw nine interceptions. And then we kind of got some clarification. Isaiah likely said, well, look, it was third and long. It's kind of scripted for the defense. Now, you don't want to see interceptions at all, but I think it did provide like, oh, okay, it makes a little more sense why this happened. Marlon Humphrey even said, hey, the practice was designed for the defense to win and the defense won it. 
But who who's been who's been catching your eye so far at the practices you've been to and what you've seen? So offensively, you talked about a ramp up, and I literally just see Odell picking up right where he left off, even though he took a year off of football. I love the way Isaiah Likely, all he does is just catch the ball, period. Doesn't matter if I'm with the first team. Doesn't matter if I'm with the second team. Doesn't matter if whomever is out there, I just catch the ball. Um, Yeah, Gus Edwards, he can catch. Like, I was like, wow, homeboy's catching out of the backfield, and he's looking good at doing it. Uh, Lamar, Lamar, they're like little nuances. He's giving some hand signals. He's doing some certain things as far as some certain looks at, you know, I don't want to bore you with the esoteric, but, you know, he's showing that, yeah, this offense is about whether or not I can progress, and I am progressing. The offensive line, it's like, Interesting when they don't have pads on, I think they get a little frustrated. But when they do have pads on, then they got a little nastiness in them, which is good. Um, I just love the way the defensive backs are catching the ball in their drills. And so it doesn't surprise me that it translated over um, on, on the field. I think linebacker, you know, guys that like – uh, Malik Harrison or Jeremiah Moon. Um, heck, Delshawn Phillips, that dude, it seemed like he's always in position to, to make a play. Um, Christian Welch, uh, all these guys, like they they looked apart. But then you got, you know, your big boys in Roquan and Patrick Queen. So in the paddock practice, they were doing a lot of scrimmaging. And you could tell where the coach was like, all right, let's thud it up. I know the Ravens production team put like a little montage of all the the heavy hits. Well, they should have also put a montage of them talking junk and swagger to the other team, as in the offense, because, you know, the offense was getting like a little ticked off. In particular, Mark Andrews was like, yo, bro. But they weren't having it. They are like, sup. And I love it. I love that they were having that moxie. I love that they are having that swagger. I ain't tripping. I love like how you can see this linebacking core. They're out for blood, and and that's a good thing. The D line, like, okay, we got depth. I mean, man, Travis Jones. I guess I want to see more. Eric DaCosta was hyping him coming out. I know he kind of had a little something with his knee in the preseason. You know, I know we talked about it last year as far as, you know, him going down the line and then, you know, a guy kind of taking out his legs and all that. And, you know, that was tough. But uh, I don't know. I just want to see more from him. Is it my imagination or is Michael Pierce like, like, holy wow, talk about a reincarnation of Sam Adams. My goodness. Uh, can Broderick Washington be the new Buddy Lee? Like, boy, oh boy, oh boy. I'm telling you, you go ahead and talk about, oh, well, you know, we, we need this on the outside rush. And yeah, let the inside collapse. And, and there's nowhere to go. And all of a sudden, 
you want to have a Jabo and, and, and Owe feasting on the outside because teams are going to be running right into them. Those are the things that I saw out of practice. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. And the fact that, to me, I think you have a common misconception about a, about the pass rush is that it's only the outside linebackers, where obviously that's not the case. You talked about the defensive line who gave you great insights there, where you know guys like Justin Matabike and Project Washington and Travis Jones and Michael Pierce and all those guys are going to step up in a big way. And we'll transition with that into the final segment. We'll talk a bit about Project Washington getting his money and also getting into the cornerback position. And a little Jadavian Clowney, too, sticking with that pass rush theme. So if you're going to stay tuned, still a lot to get to on Locked on Ravens. We are back here, Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Kadri Ismael. And stay tuned for the end of the show. There'll be a couple of announcements, so you won't want to miss out on those. But I want to continue talking about, you know, you made those great points, Q, your observations, and especially about the defensive line. Roger Washington got money. He got paid a three-year extension, $17.5 million in total money, $10 million guaranteed. And this is a trend, right? We've seen Baltimore extend some of their players over the years. I mean, we can go back. Nick Boyle, Tavon Young, Patrick Ricard. They've done it with a lot of their guys to kind of get them, I'd say, probably below market value, but a fair deal for both sides nonetheless, a year or maybe two before they hit free agency. Washington is someone who – I had a lot of growing to do, but grew really fast into a really solid role for them and is going to play a really, really big role for them this year. And it's one of the more underrated players on this defense, in my opinion. So what was kind of rea- your reaction to the extension and how has he in particular looked to you so far in training camp? So I was not surprised uh, because, you know, Baltimore, they look present and obviously they got to look future. He was showing up. You know, this is a guy who was a fifth-round pick and just solid. Like, he was showing up. He was making plays. That's a guy you, you want on your team. And and I loved his interview. How he talked about, you know, his mom did so much for him and, you know, him putting himself in position to, to really just, you know, succeed. I, I was just – I was thankful for him and obviously – the way in which he was able to um, reward his family. One, two, the pep in his step after the extension was really cool. I loved it. And I was at that practice. Uh, you know, he looked like, yeah, I'm floating on sunshine. And he even uh, they even called him out. So I, I think he uh, broke down the huddle uh, at the end of practice, which was so cool as well. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, when you get an extension, guys like him, it, it, it's so cool to see. And especially the, the reaction part of it is the best part where he he's worked so hard. He's earned the money and is going to be a big part of the Ravens team for the next couple of years here. So, again, big congratulations to, to Roger Washington and his family on that. But. Q, we're going to talk corners again. We've done it, it seems like, for the past month, <laughs> every single episode. Some some corner storyline comes up. Now, the one that happened yesterday was Pepe Williams gets carted off the field. We don't know too much about it right now. But with Rock Yassin already out for a little bit with the uncertainty surrounding Pepe Williams, John Harbaugh called the corner depth a concern. And feels like maybe they'll want to add someone. Now, the issue is that there aren't a lot, if any, needle movers left on the market because we are in August. We're not in March when there are a lot a lot more options available. So 
depending on kind of where, you know, it's different for everybody. Some people view the position as give the young guys a chance. Other people view it as they need to bring in a veteran and make a trade. My stance on it is if they go the young route, I think you have to have at least two of your guys step up and be really, really good. And that's before factoring in injuries. The thing though, is that if you want to bring in somebody, which I think, I think they probably should. The issue is that if there's not a guy that moves a needle for you, I would rather just go trust the young guys because at that point, at least you're seeing what you have. So I know we've talked about it a lot, but what's kind of your panic meter on the cornerback position now, knowing there are a couple of injuries that they've had to deal with so far. You know, my, my, my panic meter is that medium. Um, I, I don't know. I do know why. I mean, I've, I've obviously had my fair share of joint practices back in the day. It was like an annual thing, Kansas City versus Minnesota and blah, blah, blah. We would go to Kansas City's training camp. Kansas City training camp would come to us and all the things. Oh. <laughs> when I was with the uh, Saints, we went to Dallas and it was like a almost like a – I guess we were at a neutral – some stadium, maybe Louisiana Lafayette or something. Um, we scrimmaged against the Denver Broncos, I believe, before their game against us. My bottom line is this. When you go up against another team and and you get these situations put upon you, it's, it's literally, you know, tougher than a preseason game because it's a third and eight. Everybody knows it's third and eight. Your third and eight offense versus their third and eight defense. Your third and eight defense versus their third and eight offense. You know, my O-line versus your O-line. My inside run versus your inside run. And things can get chippy. So all of that is really where I think next week is going to be as pivotal as it gets to see where this team really is at from the depth standpoint of defensive back. Let's not sit here and do conjecture. You know, like, what good does it do us until we know? Of course we're going to see them go up against some receivers for Philly, and it might or might not be as cool. But let's go ahead and check out that practice. What is it, two days' worth of it all? And then we'll know because then you'll be able to either validate the Philly game one way or the other or you'll be able to say, Ah, there's this continual growth. I think they're going to be okay. So that's where my my personal measurement of hitting the panic button or all those cliche terms. I'm not ready to to look for you know uh, Devonta Freeman of the secondary. Let him stay in retirement. Okay, maybe we should name a fish after him. Who knows? Mm, maybe that's a little hint coming up. You you want to stay tuned for that. But I feel like, you know, if we're talking, to, why not just let Devonta come in and play corner? You, you go sign Devonta to play corner and that's it. We'll, we'll get to talk about him. That 33 is a corner number. He wore 33, although I think Melvin Gordon has it now. So I guess he couldn't wear it. But I, I, when talking about, I think, additions, Q, something that you said there was that, you know, you can kind of let the young guys figure it out during the practices and, and reassess after one, the preseason, two of the joint practices, which I, I definitely agree with. And to add to that, 
I think once cut down day comes, there will probably be one or two solid options at corner that do get cut just based off teams not needing a, a, an abundance of corners. So maybe there's more on the market then. So you don't necessarily have to rush to sign somebody now and there's a better option for you. But speaking of options outside linebacker wise, pass rusher wise, I know the Ravens have been in contact with Jadavian Clowney. He visited the Ravens. The reportedly there's an offer out there for him as well. Clowney's kind of taking his time. How would you feel about Clowney getting added to that linebacker room of Owe, Jabo, Tavius Robinson, Tyus Bowser, and being able to kick inside and play some defensive line too? If if if, if you're if you're watching the video, you see Q's face. If you're listening, I will say it was not a very not a very encouraging little facial expression there by Q. No, I think chemistry is everything. I think if you're, you know, one of those guys that are going to be, you know, jerking around, talking bad about, you know, a guy who in Miles Garrett, like, I mean, okay, he's a number one overall pick. You're, he was a number one overall pick, but he was like, what, top two or something like that, whatever? He was one. Hmm? He was first overall. He was first, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the point I'm making is he was first overall. So what you was first overall too. When he's first overall and he's still on that same team and he's kicking some butt, then you know, okay, he's going to get some favor. It ain't up to you to be trying to be acting like, oh, the coach is this or the coach is that. Nah, homeboy, you got to keep your mouth shut and play ball. You know, get the double-digit sacks and then you can talk smack. You know, if you got to set the edge, set the edge so bad that, man, Nobody wants to run on you. There's a reason why he's out there on the street. And that's up to Eric DeCosta and them, but meh. It's a, it's a move that I think would, like you have Clowney, you have Calvin Noy. Those are kind of the top two in terms of production. Now what Clowney can do is he can set the edge very well. He is a bit inconsistent as a pass rusher, but you mentioned, I actually didn't know until early, earlier this week, he has not hit 10 sacks in his career. He's had three seasons of nine or nine and a half sacks, but there's also been the injury where he has only played one full season in nine years. So you're going to have to account for some missed games. And I think it all comes down to what versatility the Ravens want. Do they want inside outside linebacker versatility with pass coverage, which I think Calvin Noy can give you, or do they want inside outside versatility with defensive line versatility where Clowney can set the edge. That's that's what Clowney brings you. So I think the Ravens, it'd be nice if they brought in somebody. I think Kyle Van Noy is the better cultural fit for the Ravens. I think he's more of a leader than Clowney is. You mentioned the kind of weird year Clowney had in Cleveland. But we'll see what they do. I don't, Clowney's mulling his options. The Ravens do have that offer out there. But John Harbaugh talked to the media yesterday and said that they're still in contact with some other guys. So we'll see how the Ravens operate in that outside linebacker room. But Q, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for hopping on. I do want to give a couple of announcements here. First of all, my four-year anniversary for Locked On Ravens is Saturday. So tomorrow, which is crazy to think about, 2019 Lamar's MVP season was my first year doing it. So, of course, I was responsible, right? I was I was the one who brought on that MVP season. But the other one is that on monday it's gonna be a we're we're moving backgrounds we're gonna be moving away from the beach if everything goes right if it doesn't obviously i'll still be here at the beach but (laughs) if not we're gonna have a new setup here on locked on ravens i've had this setup you know ever since i started so 
it, it'll be a change, but I'm, I'm excited for it. And obviously what won't change is Q will still be hopping on this show, talking Ravens with me. I, I've always been appreciative, Q, of you taking the time for me here and giving your insight and then the friendship we've we've been able to forge here. It's really valuable to me. So I want to say thank you for everything. And I'm looking forward to many more amazing conversations with you as, as we head on here to this 2023 season and, and obviously beyond. Well, I will say this, that Bikini Bottom – Tell you, it's been awesome uh, to be able to have it. The consistency of knowing that we're going to have an awesome podcast. Um, again, if Lamar's season was MVP and this year you are going to have a new list, then it's going to be MVP part two. So, yay. <laughs> if, if that's what it takes. I will move setups every year, and Lamar can win MVP every year. So, so if he wins MVP this year, I might have to change it up again next year. But, but I appreciate you, Q, again. Thank you so much for hopping on, and thank you for tuning in to Locked on Ravens today. We will be going live after tomorrow's preseason game after the fact, so be sure to turn notifications on. You can subscribe on video form. Also, it'll be available after the fact in audio form, so be sure to subscribe there as well. I'll see you right back here on Monday on Locked on Ravens for our normal show, but I'll see you here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens for our live stream after the fact. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you right back here soon on Locked on Ravens.